This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We're back to 0-0 zero, zero undefeated. As the Claret's long, unbeaten run is blunted by the Blades. This is the No Name Ever podcast. No Good evening and welcome to the No Name Ever podcast. After a, a disappointing result and performance at Bramall Lane on Saturday, we're here to rip the plaster off, we're here to talk about the game and, uh, and hopefully look forward to to brighter times. And joining me to do so are George Paul and Adam Dennett. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Tom. Nice to speak to you. Nice to see you, Adam. I always like that we do a, a podcast come rain or shine. So even after we've we've lost for the first time, it's nice to uh, be back on and ready to talk into the mic. Absolutely. How are you feeling about it, Adam? Uh, yeah, we're disappointed, weren't it? But uh, like George said, it's, uh, it's good to let off some steam after these events just to, to make myself feel better, uh, if not anything else. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, hopefully it'll be a bit of a therapy session for us. Um, so let's start. Uh, I've been accused on Twitter of being a, a little bit negative about the result. So I thought, you know, uh, when you sometimes when you've got up early, paid a bit of money and watched the game, sometimes you're you know you're a little bit more reactionary, you're a bit more angry. Uh, some of the some of the words that I was picked up on for using were embarrassing and pathetic. So I thought, what I'll do, I'll watch the highlights back. Um, before we record and you know maybe I was just getting a bit carried away maybe I was just a bit in a bit of a mood having watched the highlights I'd like to stick by the words embarrassing and pathetic I have to say I really I really thought it was it was very far below what's an acceptable standard um George let's start with you do you agree with me am I being a bit harsh there am I too negative let let me know well, it's, it's quite funny you say that because I've been accused of the, I was accused of the exact same thing on Saturday evening after I tweeted out and I must have got something like 20 plus replies and I just couldn't, you know, when you just, you've just got so many that you feel rude replying to some and, and, and you know, and not others. So I just completely left it and I didn't back myself up. So this is myself backing myself up on the podcast. The words I, I used myself were pathetic and embarrassing as well. And to be honest, I, I stand by them as well. It was it was one of those games where I think there was there was probably there was definitely some tactical issues with company personally. I know we'll go into it a bit later on, but I think after twenty minutes it was obvious we were being bullied on the pitch, you know, physically. I'd have made changes then. And I thought it was a really competitive first half from both teams, from two really 
contrasting teams. You could tell from minute one that they were completely different styles of play, but it was really, it was really enjoyable to watch. And I thought we've probably got a bit lucky to share it in the first half and go in at two one, but it was just the nature of that collapse in the second half. And it's, I think for me, I'm probably a bit, I'm a bit of a, I'm going a bit overboard, maybe a tiny bit overboard, just because I'm, I was really, I was quite like attached to the idea of this team also going. 23 unbeaten like just like our last championship winning team did so I was I was quite emotionally invested in that happening so I when it was you know 16 at 16 was it just before the weekend and it and the way we just we just really we just turned over and let and let them let them run riot in the second half it was just quite just deflating to be honest and ahead of the ahead of a big game next weekend it just thought well we're on sky here against who for me are the title rivals in Sheffield United and the way we just rolled over in the second half it, it it did annoy me and we'll go into the specifics later but it, I just felt we're a bit weak at times and a bit you know sh- uh, slow really to react and and I guess Tom and Adam what we'll talk about later is it was the nature of the goals in that every threatening piece of play from Sheffield United was either a cross or a set piece and it was clear as day that something was going wrong, and boy, was it frustrating watching at home. Yeah, I find it. It's, uh, I find it hard to disagree with any of that. It's, uh, it, there was there was just so much that was obviously wrong that wasn't addressed. And to me, it's not all personnel. It's not all um, you know. There's a lack of physicality, which is obvious. But it's there's, it's an attitude thing for me as well. Just mentally, we look weak. Like you say, they got that early goal at the start of the second half, and we just followed after that. And, and that was after a, a pretty decent first half. And I think, like you say, we're probably slightly fortunate to be in front. But we'd certainly been in the game. We'd been trading blows. It looked like two really good teams having to go at each other. And in the second half, it looked like you know, a non-me team going up and being steamrolled by a full-time outfit. Um, but before we go on to the specifics, then, looking at the individual goals and, uh, and maybe some of the personnel questions as well. Um, Adam, you weren't quite as doom and gloom as me and George. Um, I think it's probably important uh, to look at the result, not just on its own, but in the context of the season as well. George pointed out we're going away there to, to probably the, the best team in the division other than ourselves. So you'd have to say that's the hardest game this season, probably. Um, how are you feeling after it? Yeah, it were, um, it were really tough to watch. Um, and before the game, um, I was really confident and like watched Sheffield United a few times recently and they ground out results without being too impressive. Um, really good win at West Brom actually last week, but um, they've they really reminded me of um, of like a Sean Dyche Championship team. Um, really good direct balls um, in behind, high quality, high energy, high physicality, and I, I really in, not enjoyed their performance, but really appreciated their their performance looking back on it. Um, but yeah, from our point of view. They are say the same looking back at the game from what you and uh, George said in the first half. I thought we did okay. Um, showed some good intent going forwards. Yeah, we looked a bit shaky at the back, but we did get to the second balls. They did win the, a lot of the first balls uh, from the corners and crosses, but we were really, really quick to get to the second balls and get them clear, um, other than obviously the the goal in the first half. Um, but yeah, in... At half time, I, I just didn't see that second half coming because um, at, at points this season, I'd, yeah, we've looked we've looked vulnerable defensively, and I think obviously we we probably missed Jay Rodriguez just as much defensively as we did going forward. 
um, from uh, from set pieces and crosses. Uh, but I think, yeah, it's re- awful second half, which we'll go into all the goals and details. But bigger picture, I'd have taken this position at the start of the season to snap your hand off for it. All the changeover of players, managers, style of play, for us to be able to do all that really quickly um, and like balancing the bank as well and be top of the table, 16, 17 games undefeated um, and shown good character in the last couple of weeks. I'm really hopeful that we can bounce back. Company weren't panicking after the after the results. We were talking about markers in the season and this has to be one for us. And what, um, yeah, what a game to go to next week. Not ideal, we'd have either won or got a good point at Sheffield United going into that game, but not all doom and gloom for me. It certainly sharpens uh, the focus, doesn't it? It's, uh, there's no time to dwell on it, really. And I think you're right about companies. Very, very level-headed, win or lose. Speaks really well. And uh, and I'm hoping that, as we've seen him do with other sort of setbacks this season, he'll learn the lessons from it and uh, and we'll be better for the big derby on Sunday. Um, so let's let's dig into the goals then. Um, you touched on it really, Adam, already what the, the major problem was um, in that second half. But if we look at the first half, first of all, uh, Benson... Um, with a goal and an assist yet again. Um, there's a lot of talk. Uh, you know, does he have to be coming off the bench to have this impact? Is it better to have him coming on as a sub when the opposition have got tired legs? He started this game and he had the exact same impact he's been having off the bench, scoring, assisting. It's probably the, the, the brightest spark in our first half. Uh, George, what, what did you think of his performance? Yeah, it's an interesting one, this, because I was I was one of those who was saying, he, well, he should he should stay on the bench after... You know, ahead of the ahead of the game on the podcast last week, I think it was definitely. In fact, it was definitely Dave who was saying he should be starting, and then I said, "No, Dave, let's keep Goodmanson starting. Let's keep Benson on the bench." But tell you what, after you know, thirty five minutes, I was proved proven royally wrong, not for the first time on this podcast. And yeah, it was just he, he's he's a joy to watch. I said it last week on the podcast. I'll say it again. I just feel like I'm watching the Burnley versions of. Hazard in Zorori and Messi in, in Benson. You know, he's got that right uh, left foot just coming off the right as Benson. And he's not afraid, neither of them are, are afraid to take on the fullback. And that's the most that's the most exciting thing about it, really, because it just gets you off your seat. Whether it works or whether it doesn't, it gets you off your seat. And I think, and I'm probably echoing what I said last week, what uh, distinguishes Benson and, Benson and Zorori from Teller is that both Benson and Zorori regularly get past the fullback, whereas Teller is just not quite as polished with his drib- dribbling. Uh, I thought he went really under the radar at the weekend, but admittedly playing out of position up front. So, yeah, Benson, though, back to Benson. Fantastic. I mean, for the first goal, it's classic Benson cutting in, trying to just whip it to that far corner. And unlike Goodmanson, who I must admit, I love Goodmanson, but every shot he takes, he's trying to pass it into the back of the net. It's like he's kicking it with a cushion. It goes nowhere. But Benson, he actually put some wit behind it. And that's why, in the end, poor Jack Robinson, who unfortunately came back to haunt us in the second half, he has nothing. He, he can't do anything but try and put his head on it. And it goes into the back of the net. But for the second, it showed the other side of Benson's game, which is, I think, from the interviews, I don't know if you guys have noticed it, when he's been pressed on why Benson's not playing, companies always said, well, yeah, we're, we're delighted with his assists and his goals going forward. But, you know, there's two sides to playing in the championship. And I think he was referring to, you know, the structure, the defensive side of his game. But for the second goal, it was it was that in motion. You know, him pressing high up the pitch, just like 
companies really, you know, allowed them to do this season. And he nicks the ball and then it's just a classic composed finish. So yeah, delighted to watch Benson at the moment and I'm really, really enjoying them both. And I think we'll have a struggle at the end of the season saying, do we prefer Benson or Zorori? Because they're just both fantastic to watch at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Another another fantastic performance from Benson. I think Zorori's been a little bit quiet in the last couple of games, but it's nice that, you know, like you say, if one of them is under firing slightly, that you can call on the other one in superb form at the minute. And I think I'd be really disappointed if he didn't start against Blackburn. Obviously, you know, it's a great weapon to bring on off the bench, but I think I'd rather have a best player playing from the start, personally. Um, so Adam, we'll touch on the on the on the first goal of Sheffield United scored, and it'll lead us, I think, into the second half. As you said, um, we were we we were slightly more convincing defending our penalty area in that first half. Um, a lot of balls coming into the box, um, but like you said, we won the second balls. Um, they didn't have too many efforts on goal. There was one that Harwood Bellis cleared off the line, um, and then of course the goal. Um, and it's the big ball up to the back post. They win the first header, and it's just touched down. Um, and that was a pattern that came back to haunt us in the second half. But yeah, I don't mean to to give you the worst job of the of the podcast, but talk us through the defending for, in the second half of some of those goals. Uh, well, I think obviously the first half, uh, not the first, the first goal. Um, it's hard to sit and whinge when we've said how positive. Um, well, not lack of VAR because it wouldn't have made a difference, but it wouldn't. It wasn't a corner. Um, it flicked off uh, their striker. Um, and should have been a goal kick. But you kind of, again, I was saying you've got to look at the bigger picture. We had one goal for us last week against Rotherham in that regard for the throw-in. And you want it you want it all to be right. Not all, um, not two wrongs don't make a right, but um, you're going to get that in this league and you've just got to defend it better. And it was just like watching a repeat um, of, of pretty much, well, three of three, four of the goals. Uh, just not reacting in the box, um, not winning enough ball, uh, not protect. I don't think we protected Murich enough. I know we'll come on to Murich, but we just let them get on top of him, and we didn't. We 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 needed someone in there to mess with it um, and and protect him a bit better than we did. And whether we obviously we didn't have the players on the pitch to do that effectively, but. Yeah, so disappointing just to see the same thing over and over and over again. And yeah, it's something that they really need to work on. I don't think other teams in this league will have the quality to put us under as much pressure as Sheffield United did for such a sustained period. Um, but yeah, they've, we're gonna teams are gonna target that. So we need to we need to find a way to to get around that. We've got a set piece coach. He'll be a busy man this week. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So I think before we come on to Murich, uh, let's look at the personnel. So George, you've made the point there for the first goal. You've got Josh Cullen marking on him at Burnley. Now that's he's not going to win the header. Um, but then the problem is, I guess when you look at that team that was out, you've mentioned earlier Advent Rodriguez wasn't playing, so you've lost a bit of height there. Um, really, and if you look at that, if you look at the whole team, there's only three players who were who were tall. One of them's Murich. We'll come back to him. Centre halves, Howard Bellison and Bayer, they're not really, they're not Ben Me kind of defenders. They're there primarily because the ball players, I would say, rather than out and out defenders. Not saying they can't defend, not saying they don't like to tackle, but uh, that's lacking, obviously, when those balls are coming in the box. Um, and like you say, if you've only got two players who can win headers, um, then you're going to end up in situations where you've got Josh Cullen marking Ollie McBurney, or, you know, for the second goal, you've got nobody marking anybody. Um, so, 
obviously tactically they weren't set up properly because they, they're not just losing the first one, they're losing the second, third, fourth. They're not clearing the lines if they do manage to get a block in. Um, but how much would you put it down to the personnel, George, as, as to why we look so shaky at the back? How much is the, the, the will we missing certain players in there? And who, if any, would you like to see come in for the next game just to improve that situation? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, like you said, the, the first one, you've got Josh Cullen marking up Ollie McBurney. Now, Ollie McBurney, guy, he, he's, he's, he's an annoying player, isn't he? But he, he's absolutely superb at winning headers, winning the balls. Bristol City, when he was brought on uh, last Tuesday night away at Bristol City, he won everything in the air. They just couldn't cope with him. He's just really good at it. He knows exactly how to do an Ashley Barnes back into a man, make his body strong and win it and, you know, win a header. You know, he's got that extra height that probably Barnes doesn't. But speaking of Ashley Barnes, I just, for me, even though obviously we edged the first half, we were going in 2-1 up. After 20 minutes, it was obvious we were getting, you no, know, no, scratch that. After 10 minutes, it was obvious we were getting bullied, you know, around the pitch. They were, Teller was just looking a completely, just a lone figure up front in that he just couldn't, couldn't get into the game because it just, Sheffield United are a really physical team. And I just thought for me, we, we lacked, we lacked the ability to really put a footprint on the game. And when Sheffield United, like Adam um, referred to, put us under pressure, even in the first half, we just couldn't really combat that way because when the ball went up, if we didn't, you know, pass it out well, there was there was no hold up player up there, or there was no there was no there's no one to really get stuck into the defence. And for me, I wanted either Barnes or Dervis Ugly one after twenty minutes because I thought, okay, fair enough, start with this game plan, but it's not working, and I'll stick with that even even though we went uh, in at two one. I I just thought we really liked that physical edge, and like you're saying, when Rodriguez isn't playing. I think it was Adam who mentioned it earlier. We miss his defensive side almost as much as his attacking side because he's got that height in the box and he's really not afraid to uh to get to get get himself stuck in in the box. So for me, I'd have after twenty minutes I'd have changed things. I'd have brought Barnes or Dervis Ugly on just because when when you're defending a set piece, you've got a striker in there who's moderately tall, but will actually will put an elbow in. Will make things difficult. Even if Barnes is losing a header to McBurney. He's making things difficult for him. It's not just going to be able to be put back on a plate back in a six-yard box. Now, for the second goal, Bayer and uh, Howard Bellis are just static as a as a six-foot truck. But for the third goal, this is where, for me, we, we move on to a discussion of Murich. And uh, Murich for the third goal and, for me, Matson for the fifth goal. I think the fourth goal was pure luck. It was one of them... Uh, it, I know there were so many goals to speak about, but it's the one where it's fall to the edge of the box, someone's shot, bit of bobbling and it goes in. It's unlucky. But for me, I think there's a discussion to be had here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it to Adam to start it. Uh for Murich for the third goal and and for, we'll move on to Matson for the fifth goal and where we go going forward with that left back position. Yeah. And I think just before we do come on to the the Murich uh, elephant in the room, I think it's a really good point you made about not necessarily Barnes, you know, we disagree on on whether or not Barnes should be in the team. But it's that thing of even if you're not going to win the header at least be putting in a challenge and to me that just wasn't there in the second half at all you know it's like you say you can challenge with Bernie and he might win the header but if you're going up with him you're making him think about winning the challenge and not where to put his header the second goal was a perfect example of it the first header is a free header but Bernie's got a free header to tap it in at the six yard box if you've got someone there you know and you know Josh Cullen can't necessarily beat him in the air but if he does enough there just to put him off it's not such a simple finish and that that kind of thing is why I say embarrassing, pathetic. You know, that's that's just based, that's not working hard enough for me, and that and there's no excuse for that. 
So that's a good point. Um, let's move on. Then. Let's let's get on to Murich. Uh, I was in the away end on Saturday, and in the first half, um, he was getting a lot of stick from our own fans. Uh, now we've, we've mentioned already that there's only sort of three players in that team that have that have got a lot of physicality, a lot of height, and he's and obviously at six foot, I think he's six foot five, six foot six. He's the the biggest the biggest guy in the team by a mile. Now he's absolutely nailed to his line, and and when you're that high. There's no excuse for it, in my opinion. And I don't understand, is, is it confidence? Is he told not to come out, come off his line? There's a few people on Twitter saying, you know, he's not to blame for the goals. And, you, you know, I don't expect him to come and get them off the penalty spot. And obviously the first two goals are coming from that. The, the, the corners are coming in deeper. They're winning the first header and the second. And I don't, I don't blame him for those. But in general, all season we've said, his command of his, his box is nowhere near good enough, especially for the high ears. And I don't think that helps the defence. Um, you know, we've been spoiled in the last few years. We've had Nick Pope coming and getting everything. Um, and of course, Murich isn't as good as Nick Pope and he's not, and he's not going to be. But why can't he come and get some of these balls? Why can't he just come and grab a ball out of the air and just, just take the pressure off? Do you know what I mean? Even if you just grab it and sit on it for two minutes, you know, or it was just constant balls in the box in that second half and there's no relief coming from the keeper. For me, so while I wouldn't say he's directly at fault for any of the goals, he's not helping that situation at the back where we're so weak on set pieces. That, well, that's my two points anyway. Adam, uh, be interesting to see what you think about it. Yeah, I agree. In the main, to be honest, as um, I think I don't think he was stuck on his line, um, and a lot of them. I think that's half the problem. You've got our last two keepers, like you say, who've been spoiled. Pope, who could come to command the area um, and would pluck uh, two or three out of the area game. Um, and you'd be confident we're going to defend it well anyway. Um, uh, but Heaton invariably did stay on his line. Um, obviously, he had a lot more physical defence in front of him to deal with the threat. But you'd expect with the um, with his physical attributes that Murich would be more commanding. I've only ever seen him in a Burma show. I'm not going to lie and say I know loads about him, but he's just not. He doesn't seem to have that in his locker, and it just doesn't fill you with confidence with that side of the game. Um, and that it's the half ass, not half ass, but half half attempts and little flounders at the ball, and like you say, six foot five, and he doesn't seem to have a reach. Like he's he's get he's like reaching up and still level with the defense with the attackers. I don't. It's infuriating to watch. I don't know what the answer is, but I can't see it just improving overnight. Um. So, so something's something's got to change, but I don't think. Overall, overall, it does bring some positives to the way we play. That is a clear area of weakness. It'll, I hope he can get better at it, but I think it's going to be a, a worry going forward, to be fair. Do you know what? It, it makes me think of, do you know, uh, like sometimes you see a film where there's like a big place he's got no confidence and they'll do something like they'll do a fake robbery and like he'll take down the robber trip and fall over and he'll take down the rubber and everything oh he's a hero and it gets his confidence through the roof that's what they need to do company needs to <laughs> stage a fake robbery at the training ground in midweek somehow orchestrate it so that Murich stops the robbery just get his confidence up a bit just come and clear people yeah, out man even he made a couple of really good saves in the second half but he went out for corners again and I'm just thinking well it would just knack it again anyway and I think goals came from one or both of them when he'd made a good save and yeah really <laughs> difficult one there was one ball in the second half where it's coming straight down his throat and he and he tips it, palms it away rather than catching it. <clears throat> and you think just common sense would do, we can't handle these area balls. So like I said, 
any chance you get to grab it, you need to grab it and just take the sting out of it for a minute. But there's none of that either. And I think I think I, I think I'm right in saying he caught one ball in the whole game, which is about 80 minutes, no one near him, and there was you know the ironic cheers in the away end. And you know, of course, it's not good, but I couldn't really blame anybody to be honest. It was very frustrating watching him. Um, so yeah, that's me, Orich. And then sorry, so, uh, Tom. What what were the atmosphere like in the away end second half? It was hard hard to tell on on the telly, but obviously the atmosphere at games has been absolutely brilliant this season, home and away. How did the fans react at the ground when when it were clearly going against us in that second half? Yeah, I think to be honest. It was a lot better than you'd, you'd imagine. I think a lot of people were of, of the mindset of, like, well, this is rubbish. And, like, of course it was rubbish. There's frustration because you can see it going wrong and the manager's doing nothing to change it until it's too late. Um, Norwich did get a lot of stick. But other than that, I, I thought, you know, it, what, there wasn't booing. There wasn't uh, frust- there wasn't really swearing or anything. At full time, people were still singing, we are top of the league, clapped them off and that. It was, it was very tolerant considering what that second half was like. So... That you know, that's a good sign. But I, I was I was coming away from that game thinking, if that happens again next week, then it, the the atmosphere is going to change very quickly. But let's not think about that. Let's not think about that. So I think just one last um, personnel um, uh, sort of discussion to be had before we come on to the uh, the Crawley game um, is fullback. So I think centre half. For whatever reason, we're not going to see McNally. He obviously doesn't fancy him for whatever reason. I think Egan Riley's still a little bit raw. So I don't expect him to change. Um, Howard, certainly not Howard Bellis and probably not Bayer either. Um, but there's been a lot of discussion about having Taylor sat on the bench. You know, it's a, a guy who's played the last five seasons in the Premier League. Um, obviously, Roberts and Vitinha, they've been interchanged quite a bit this season. Is there an argument, uh, George, to say that in when we're playing these better teams away from home to the sort of teams that are going to cause us problems, Matson uh, and Vitinho maybe are a little bit too offensively minded. Is that fair? Do you think they were at the root cause of some of the goals or is that just, are we just kind of retroactively applying that criticism and just thinking who we've got on the bench who's good, you know, get them in in the next game kind of thing? Well, for me, I think my, my ire He's saved mostly for um for free and Matson. I think when we were just discussing the Murich thing, then at least with Murich, the thing I don't think it's it's not a lack of it's not a lack of willing with Murich. It's not a lack of it's it's not that he does he, he doesn't fancy it. It's just that he's not confident at coming for the balls. You know, he like you say, he's six foot five, but he's got the reach of Ricky Atten by the looks of it. He, he just doesn't know how to command the box. That, that's that's the pure pure and simple. With a third goal. It was in the six-yard box. The cross was planted in the six-yard box, and he doesn't come for it. He doesn't even he doesn't even move from his line, and it just it creates a culture in the second half where everyone's crowding that six-yard box because they're like, "Hey, we send this lad. Let's get it in there, get it in the mixer, and McBurney will get his head on it." And unfortunately, it led to our downfall. But with Matson, it's so many times this season where look, we've been doing well, but whether it's whether it's tackles, whether it's fifty fifties, a header here and there, tracking back. It just leaves a lot to be desired in terms of what you can see in terms of running running his backside off. For the fifth goal, which is the one we're obviously going to talk about here, the fifth goal, it goes over the top to to, to George Baldock. I think he's probably the wing-back, isn't he, when they play that silly little free at the back, pretending to be Chris Wilder's Sheffield United still. But he's running behind. And not only Matson has just completely ignored him, he doesn't know where he is. But when he does see where he is, 
instead of going, oh, gosh, I've messed up there, I'll track back, he stands there and watches whilst, fair play to the guy, Murich makes a cracking save with his left foot, you know, and like you say, Adam, he redeemed himself in some way and he made them three saves in quick succession uh, after maybe the third or fourth goal. But the fifth goal, Murich has made a cracking save. Unfortunately, it's come straight back out to McBurney, who's then slotted it home. But if Ian Matson had just decided, right, I'll run back and actually try and help the defence, maybe, like we were saying earlier, maybe McBurney still wins the ball, but it's a harder it's a harder finish to make. He's got pressure on him. But it was just a complete lack of intensity for me from Matson, And I've, I've felt it, you know, for quite a large part of the season. I'm, I know Rich has as well, where he just doesn't seem interested sometimes in the defensive side of his game. So for me, yeah, I'm not a huge admirer of Matson to be honest. I've he was brilliant when he first came, but I think his game's been rattled a bit after that sending off um a couple of months ago now and he's not been the same player since. Goodness knows how he got nominated for uh the pl- the fans player of the month for October ahead of some of the other players who who were playing well like Benson. So for me, Matson, I wouldn't be playing him. I'd, I'd start Charlie Taylor, especially in the games, you know, against good teams like we're saying Sheffield United. So for me, Taylor's a Premier League left back. He improved a lot the defensive side of his game uh, from when he first joined us from Leeds. And for me, he's, a, he's just a more polished player. Now, whether Matson's got a clause in his contract that says he must play X amount of games, it's an interesting one to throw up in the air. But before I hand over to to Adam and get your views, Adam. For me, Vitinho, I, I still like him and I like how they're interchanging with Roberts. I don't have any qualms with, with what's going on there. So whichever fullback starts on the right, I'm pretty confident will de- do a decent job. But Adam, what are you thinking about the, the Matson uh, or Taylor situation? Well, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not really with you on that one, George, to be honest. I think um he's added um he's added a lot more to, to the team than than what he gives away to be for me. He's got a goal and four assists this season. Um, we wouldn't have won the penalty against Norwich if it weren't for his lung busting run with ten minutes left, got us through the thirds, and um, and then yeah, it resulted in a penalty. Uh, I think it's more the system that he is going to be high up. We see Cullen or Brownhill or whoever's playing in that defensive role drop back in and wide whenever we are attacking. Um, I can't really defend some of his performances, the Blackpool sending off. Uh, we just wouldn't have seen in the last 10 years under Daesh. You, do, you don't react with stuff like that. Uh, West Bromley were very poor. Um, and like you said, at the weekend for the f- uh, fifth goal, which I'm going to complain again, was offside. But um, anyway, he, he switches off for a split second, which you can do. And especially when they were probably mentally and physically knackered by that point. But not getting back in is... Unfor- like unforgivable, really, and he, he does just just like wander back in, like Trent Alexander Arnold, like um, this season. Um, but I think when Matson has been poor this season, company has has switched it up. He's not played in in the games afterwards. Like when he got sent off and came back from suspension, uh, he were on the bench for Tino, carried on playing. Um, and but for me, I think especially against the week not the weaker side, but anyone outside the top three or four, I think he is a must-have in, in this system. Uh, Taylor, yeah, in that game on Saturday, I think he'd have done a much better job. Um, but overall, um, I really like Matson. I think he'll um, he'll be a big player for us uh, this season. 
And when you talk about the other side, I think Vitinho has been a bit off it last few games as well. Um, and I think I'd have probably rather Robert start. I think he had really, really poor games against um, Reading uh, and Norwich. Vitinho really sloppy, um, sloppy play at times and signs of tiredness. So the first first full championship season, but these young players, you're gonna, they're going to be inconsistent. We've got good quality in the squad that when they are a bit off it, we should have players to be able to come in. Uh, but yeah, Matson starts um, the majority of games for me and uh, should continue to do so. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Matson. I think he's, I, I think he's going to be all perfect. He's given us more than than he's detracting. I think maybe the answer. Oh, forgot to touch on as well the fact that obviously he hit the bar in the first half, and if that goes in, we're three one at half time. Maybe we're having a different discussion. Um, I think maybe with Matt's and probably what the answer would have been is, especially when Sheffield United get that goal so soon after half time, the company should be recognising that and saying, look, maybe at this point we need to just dig in and protect what we've got a little bit. And at that point, then you say, well, let's sacrifice Matson's attacking ability and just get Taylor on. He's a bit more sturdy. But yes, I think you're right. I don't think Taylor fits in the system anywhere near as well as, as Matson or, or Bayer does. And I think that's basically why he's playing. It's not anything to do with his qualities as a player. I think it's just that he doesn't fit. Um, yeah, uh, one one last little curveball I'd maybe like to throw in there before we have a quick look at the Crawley game is uh, right back. We've been talking about Patinho or Roberts. Um, we, we have, of course, got a third right back on the books who seems to have been completely frozen out. Now, to me, Vitinho and Roberts, neither of them are absolutely uh, nailing down a spot at the minute. There's much of a muchness between them. I think Matt Lowton's a player who's, who's been, been with us for a long time. He's played a lot of games in the Premier League. I don't think he's particularly let us down when he's played. He's got attributes going forward. I think Connor Roberts said last year that he, he was a better footballer than he was. Um, I wonder why. I wonder if something's happened behind the scenes or if it's just that his face doesn't fit. I don't know. It's a bit of a shame, but I would I would like to see him perhaps get a run out for the Crawley game on Tuesday night. And that leads us nicely on to the Crawley game on Tuesday night. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Now, normally we'd have a big all singing or dancing preview show for you. There's not a lot to uh, to include this week. Um, we can't look at past matches because we've never played Crawley before. Um, it wouldn't take very long to go through the players who have played for both. In fact, I'm not an official quiz question setter, but uh, maybe have a think at home. I'll let you know there's two players who've played for both Burnley and Crawley. You can mull that one over. You can email us um, and maybe uh, and maybe we'll be able to find some sort of unofficial quiz prize for you if you can name either or both of those two players. Um, before we have a look at what we'd like to do with the lineup, though, we have got an opposition fan view for you. Someone, uh, 
someone well known to to known team known end ever's Charlotte Rigby. It's her other half who happens to be a Crawley Town fan. I didn't know there were any Crawley Town fans, but Charlotte's managed to find one. And uh, she's wrote to partner into giving us a bit of a, a preview of what we can ex- uh, expect sorry, from Crawley ahead of the game. Hello, No Nay Never listeners. My name is Ryan and uh, I am Charlotte's long-term partner who just happens to support Crawley Town living in Burnley. Uh, even in the second round, we had Fulham at home. I remember saying to... Um, the people I work with who obviously all support Burnley, how mental it would be if uh, we were to beat Fulham and then get Burnley away. I remember watching the draw. Uh, Burnley were drawn first, obviously, the home team. And I remember just going 9, 9, 9, being that was Crawley's ball. And when it was drawn, I couldn't actually believe it. Very happy. And... Uh, it was the best, it was a perfect draw for me, but not for, you know, 99% of other Crawley fans. Although I did read earlier that we are bringing the largest away support of the season so far, which isn't something I expected. Them coming up from London, well, just outside London, on a cold November Tuesday night, all the way up here, but... That's going to be great for me, being able to be in with them a lot. There's going to be a few of us. And, you know, it's hopefully we can we can do some damage. I mean, probably not. It depends what team you lot are putting out. But we can live in, live in hope. There's one player who I'm looking forward to starting. Uh, Dom Telford. He was actually born in Burnley. So we went up through Blackpool's um, youth team. He didn't actually know, he'd never played for Burnley. So hopefully he gets the start because, well, wouldn't that just be poetic? Being born in Burnley, went to school in Burnley and happened to score against Burnley in the Cup. It's a shame, like, we had a really good player from Liverpool, James Balzaghi, but he got injured a couple of months back and we had to send him back and he was lighting up the league. And at that point, I thought... Yeah, if we play him, there's a there's a there's a good chance, but he's gone, no longer with us. Speaking of lighting up the league, we were actually we still are in a relegation battle. We were meant to we were predicted to finish top half, challenge maybe for playoffs. It's not gone well, but under the new manager, out of six games, we're undefeated in five, losing at Accrington at the weekend. Well, I say at Accrington. We had them at home in the FA Cup first round and they beat us 4-1. So not great, really. Not good preparation coming into this game. But with Blackburn on the horizon for you lot, I I very much doubt you're putting out a strong team. So it should enable us to go against, you know, your second string. And who knows? There could be a little upset. I'd love it if it was potentially, you know, a nice free-all game pennies in front of us lot and we win on penalties go through take on liverpool next round in the quarters at liverpool a man can dream i'm very much looking forward to the game tomorrow it should be fantastic i hope you lot enjoy it for the for the people coming because i don't know how many people will um go to the burnley game for you lot i'd, I'd guess probably around ten thousand because well, it's 10 pound a ticket so it's quite cheap can't wait and uh 
I will have a scrap with Lottie after the game as well, just you know, just for a bit of a laugh, depending on the result. Goodbye. Thank you very much for that, Ryan. It's good to get a Crawley Town insight, and hopefully, whatever the outcome of the game, there won't be too many domestics in the uh, in the rugby in the rugby household after the game. So uh, let's just round off then, just by having a quick look at what we like to do with the team. It's a bit of a tricky one, I think, because there's a lot to be balanced. We've obviously just come back off a really disappointing performance, so it'd be nice to get a comfortable win, a little bit of confidence back around the place going into the big game on Sunday. Uh, we've skirted around that game, by the way. We will be doing another show before Sunday, uh, so we'll have a big pre-for you there along with a quick look back at the Crawley game. Um, so there's there's that, but then there's also injuries, you know, fitness, suspension, things like that. You don't want any key players to to get injured against Crawley and end up missing the big game. Um, so with all that in mind, what do you do, George? How many players do you drop in? Who do you, who are you leaving in, if anyone? Who needs some minutes? Is there anyone that you think gives them a game with a view to maybe staking a, uh, a claim for a place on Sunday? For me, this game, I'm, I'm afraid to say, is a complete afterthought. Not to go Sean Dice on you, but I, I, I really, I'm, I'm not bothered by, you know, if we scrape through, if we beat them five 0 if we, you know, if we lose, dare I say it? Um, I'm really not that, not that bothered. For me, the game is Sunday. Um, we've, we've not lost against that lot in twelve years. Let's, let's, you know, let's extend that, please. Uh, so my nerves are already focused entirely on Sunday. But as for the team. All that's a roundabout way of saying, let's make as many changes as we can. You know, let's give games to Bailey Peacock-Farrell for sure. You know, he came in for a couple of championship games and impressed uh, a lot of people. And then I'd also be bringing in Charlie Taylor because he needs minutes under his belt. He's wasting his time otherwise. I'd be tempted to say the same with Lawton, Tom, but I think he's been frozen out. Like It looks like he's, he's on his way out the door, which for me is a big shame. But in terms of the, the other defenders, CJ Egan Riley's come on uh, a week and a half ago, was it, to um, to play as sort of a CDM, a bit like Tarkovsky used to do uh, in 2016 when he first joined. But I'd like to see him, you know, have a go in defence in his natural role. And I'd really like to see McNally because he's a guy who's seems, he's very tall. I have a, a mate who's, who's an Oxford United fan and he, he couldn't sing enough, he couldn't sing highly enough. Of, of Luke McNally so I'd really like to see what he's got about him you know it might be the case that he's not ready for championship football yet but he should be ready to be to be facing Crawley uh, but for the midfield some of them probably do need minutes you know the likes of Bastion um, Brownhill is obviously missed at the weekend so it might be good to get uh, you know 45 to 60 minutes back under his belt again get him up to speed because you don't want to be going into that derby a little underprepared after having a week off you know you want to be you want to be raring to go and then up front, Jay Rodriguez, do not touch this game, fella. Keep him in cotton wool. Make sure he's ready for Sunday because he's so important both going forward and, and defensively as we exposed in that second half against Sheffield United. So, yeah, let's start Dervy Soglu, see if we can get a, another goal under his belt because I'm sure he'll have taken quite a lot of confidence from getting the last-minute winner last week. So, yeah, wholesale changes for me all around. And let's see what some of the, the other players have got about them. Uh, I'm particularly interested to see McNally, uh, hopefully, and Dervis Oglu because Dervis Oglu is a guy who's impressed me a bit uh, coming off the bench recently. So yeah, looking forward to seeing what changes are made. But let's 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 keep our eyes on Sunday, eh? Fair enough. What about yourself, Adam? Are you uh, similar mind? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, completely. We we are there, George. I think all eyes have got to be on Sunday. We've got to trust that uh, the squad, the bigger squad that we built, will be good enough to beat uh, Crawley Town, uh, no matter who who plays. Um, and yeah, I was just going to mention that, George. Uh, just put it on the chat. Um, Dara Costello uh, has been in and around the squad this season. Um, where where I sit in the Bob Lord, you see all the players that have missed out on the squad sat quite close and he's been there along with Owen Dodgson so I'd expect him to be maybe in the side and dare I say his name um, Scott Twine any any chance who knows you never know he might just throw him in there big uh, nice midweek present for us before the game but uh, no I'm, I'm with you George I think I'd um, I'd agree with pretty much the um, the starting starting lineup you've just said there maybe maybe Ashley Barnes or or Dervis Oglu or both but um, yeah, other than that, give give the guys who've been playing week in, week out a rest because uh, it's been even more crazy than a standard championship season with the World Cup coming up. Um, so there's no no need, well, we don't need to take any chances with our big players. Yeah, I think you'd like, especially Cork, um, Rodriguez, you'd like to rest their leg there, the, the wrong side of 30. Uh, Teller at the minute looks knackered. I know, I think it was a mistake to play him at centre forward on Saturday because I just don't think he got into the game at all. But also, you know, he's he runs himself into the ground and he has to like be dragged off on the hour every week because he looks uh, shattered. So be good to rest him. Um, yeah, I think I'm of the same mind. You know, uh, give give a run out for the likes of Barnes, uh, David Shoglu, Bastian, people who aren't getting that many minutes. Make sure um, the two the two Belgian wingers aren't getting anywhere near it as well. I think we'd really struggle if Sir Oriol Benson were were to miss on Sunday. It's a shame we haven't got chill enough to rotate because uh, or twine, like you say, it'd be an ideal game for one of them or Westwood. As far as I know, I don't think any of them are quite there yet. But um yeah, that and then maybe even um Costello you mentioned, like you say, Dodgson, maybe it's worth playing Taylor at centre half and Dodgson at left back, give him a run out. Um and I thought Tucker as well, Nijai Tucker, he played a few um in pre season for the first team. Uh saw him score at uh, at Shrewsbury in the friendly. So I, I had a feeling he might be sort of in and around the first team a little bit more than he has been. Um, but maybe if you need some wingers to play, obviously he might play Johan on one side, but it'd be maybe nice to see Tucker get a run out as well. And I think, same as you, I think we, we could probably afford to play a second string and still have a decent chance of going through in, in this game. And even if we don't, it's not the end of the world. Um, like you say, with, with the fixture pile up as it is, um, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing to, to miss out on a couple more midweek games. Although having said that, I would love to see um, if we get through and we get a Premier League team. I'd love to see how we'd play against a Premier League team. I'd be really intrigued to see how that would go. I have a feeling um, that we might do all right and it'd be quite interesting to to put a little run together in the Cups because it's been a long time since we have. But you're right, we know where the priority lies. Um, so I think that about covers it really. Um, Crawley on Tuesday, uh, before the big one on Sunday, we're not going to mention the names. Uh, I'll be there tomorrow. I'd, I don't, know if, I don't know if anyone else is mad enough to do that, but uh, a little bit of history. Our first ever game against Crawley Town. Hopefully a nice evening. Um, hopefully progression in the cup and or no injuries. And I'll probably take getting knocked out and no injuries now. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thanks, George, for your insight. Thank you, Adam, for, for a little bit of positivity and level-headedness because me and George could not provide that at all today. And thank you very much to everyone at home for listening. I've been Tom Whitaker and this has been the Known and Ever podcast. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. 
Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill, and our newsletter team is headed up by James Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are, as ever, proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.